the host of Tea and Tattle podcast and this week I'm sharing a Tea Reads special episode where I talk about short form fiction I've been especially enjoying this month as well as other cultural recommendations and my personal jump for joys from the past few weeks. For January's special Tea Reads episode I've chosen to discuss the essay collection Surfacing by Kathleen Jamie a Scottish poet and writer. As Burns Night is celebrated in January, I often like to read some Scottish writing in this month, and so I decided to dip into surfacing. I'd read so many rave reviews about this essay collection that I was curious to try it, and it certainly doesn't disappoint. Not all of Jamie's writing in surfacing is about Scotland. Her essays, in fact, take you to all different parts of the world but several of them do return to her home landscape. And I love the vivid images she's able to create of the scenery of Scotland from only a few succinct sentences. Jamie certainly has the poet's knack of looking deeply at the world around her. As an example of her skill, here is an extract from the essay Links of Noltland, which describes a part of the Orkney Islands. I drove on down into the town, a straggle of shoreside grey houses and stores. Because the tide was low, plains of bright, mustard-gold seaweed were exposed, with a few seals hauled out. At the school, which was closed for the summer holiday, I turned sharp left and followed a thin road as it began to climb up over the hill to serve the last few farms on the island's west side, the side exposed to the Atlantic. Up there were cliffs and a lighthouse, then nothing else till Newfoundland, as folk are quick to tell you. Jamie's essays are linked both through her appreciation of nature. One of my favourite essays in the collection is called The Eagle, where she watches the flight of two eagles through her binoculars. And they are linked also by the theme of surfacing, how the past resurfaces and connects with the present. Within these essays, Scottish miners are brought to the surface after an explosion in a mine. Jamie's memories of her mother and grandmother resurface in her mind, disjointed and blurred. The preserved hearths and homes of Neolithic farmers are uncovered, and archaeological sites disclose echoes from past lives. Reflections on the past are joined by more personal ruminations too centred on a writer who is now in what she terms late midlife and the trials that that time of life often brings a child leaving home the death of a parent receiving a cancer diagnosis every essay is an example of exquisite prose making this a collection to savour do let me know if you've read surfacing and your thoughts on it or if you're tempted to seek it out now But now let's get on to some other cultural recommendations in Culture Corner. As always, I would encourage you to think about setting some cultural dates with yourself in the month ahead, whether that's seeing an exhibition, planning a trip to the cinema, or setting an afternoon aside to devote to reading a book you've been meaning to pick up for a while. I always find that such activities help ignite my own creativity as well as bring me a great deal of pleasure. And I've had some really fun cultural excursions in January. 
I've been to see three films this month, Little Women, 1917, and The Personal History of David Copperfield. My favourite film out of the three we've seen was Little Women, which I just thought was superbly done. I thought the way the chronology of the story was changed, where a lot of the March sisters' childhood is told through flashbacks, was actually very successful. I liked the way Joe's future was kept a little bit ambiguous at the end as well, and that the emphasis was really put on writing for for Joe, and that that was her real passion in life. Saoirse Ronan and Florence Pugh gave particularly strong performances and as Joe and Amy, I thought, although I also loved Laura Dern as Marmy. But the film was just a visual delight too, with gorgeous costumes and cinematography. And it was, I think, particularly special to me to see it because I'd recently visited Louisa May Alcott's home um, when I was in America last summer. Her home is Orchard House in Concord, and it still is beautifully preserved. You get such wonderful insights of what her life was like living there. And I really found it so special to see the desk that she'd sat and had written at. And on the walls were paintings by her sister May, who was the inspiration for Amy in Little Women. But I really enjoyed the other films I saw as well. I thought David Copperfield was certainly very entertaining. And there were some great performances by many acclaimed actors like Hugh Laurie and Tilda Swinton, who I love. She's a real favourite of mine. But I did think that the direction lent a bit too much towards the farcical. And there were also some huge plot changes that I, that I thought spoilt it a bit. 1917 was extraordinary. It was so heartrending, but it was just such an incredible film about the bravery of soldiers fighting in World War One. And the way the film looks like it was shot in a single take is truly incredible. And I definitely think it deserves to receive some major recognition and awards at the Oscars this year. I'm really keen to see how it does. Other cultural enjoyments from this month has really been mainly book related. I've just been reading so much in January and it's been actually a really nice mix of reading. I've had to read a lot for the podcast and for work um, because I was involved with the Costa Book Awards this year. I was involved in working on some sort of publicity and media around that through my own social media. So that was really exciting. But I did a lot of reading for that. I've also just been enjoying reading some new releases and rereading old old favourites just for my own pleasure this January too. And that's been all a real treat. I particularly wanted to talk about one book that I reread earlier this month. And that was Mrs. Palfrey at the Claremont by Elizabeth Taylor. I've spoken about my love for Elizabeth Taylor before on the podcast. I did a tea reads on one of her short stories in the past. And she is just one of my very favourite writers. I also think she's one of the most underrated writers and that she deserves much broader recognition. 
Also, she's not the same person as the famous film actress. <laughs> she's not that Elizabeth Taylor, by the way. People always ask me that when whenever I mention Elizabeth Taylor, the writer. So just to clarify, not the same person. But Elizabeth Taylor wrote in the 1940s right through to the early 1970s. Mrs. Palfrey at the Claremont was published in 1971. It was the last novel of Taylor's that was published in her lifetime and it was shortlisted for the Booker Prize. It's a very apt read for this time of year, which is why I chose to reread it this month. The novel starts on a wet day in January when the elderly Mrs. Palfrey arrives at the Claremont Hotel where she has decided to live or rather she's been forced to decide to live there, as she can no longer manage to live on her own. She is a widow, and her daughter and her daughter's family have not offered to have her to live with them. This book is such a searing, almost ruthless examination of human selfishness, and also of old age. It is so poignantly sad that it can actually be quite a difficult book to read, although it's extremely short and Taylor's prose is always so elegant and so beautiful that it's also a pleasure to read because of that. This is a book that just stays with you once you've read it. I can guarantee that you will think about it for years to come. And I find that it's a book that's also further enriched with every rereading. I always take something slightly different away from it when I read it. But like I said, I think that Elizabeth Taylor is just a genius writer. Although this book is a sad read, it is also an important read, I think, because it is about a percentage of the population that I feel don't get written about enough. Um, You don't hear so much about what it really is like to grow old and what life can be like when you've reached a certain age and the loneliness that can really come with old age. Um, The way that Taylor writes about loneliness in this book is really incredible and I absolutely recommend getting a copy of it if you haven't read it already then do get a copy and it really is a perfect read for this time of year but now moving from talking about loneliness to a happier segment of this tea read special my jump for joys section I want to share with you some of the things that have been making me happy this month. And one thing that I've been really enjoying this January is my YouTube channel. I only started my YouTube channel very recently, so there aren't a lot of videos on it yet, especially as I sort of started in November, but then got so busy in December, I couldn't really continue it. But In January, I've got much more organized and I'm doing a lot of videos and I'm really just loving it. 
I'm pretty much just chatting about books in my videos, sharing reviews of my recent reads, as well as themed book recommendations and book hauls. I have dipped my toe into vlogging a little bit, especially when I go to book events, for instance. But I've also started doing monthly videos of tea and tattle chats, where I share news and just things that I've been enjoying from the past month. I'm really enjoying being part of the booktube community on YouTube and if you'd like to watch my videos you can find my channel at youtube.com forward slash Miranda Mills. Another joy for me this month was something I already mentioned briefly and that was being asked to work as an influencer for the Costa Book Awards this year. I really enjoyed reading and reviewing the five category award winning books and I'm actually attending the Costa Book Awards ceremony tonight which I'm very excited about. So is my mum who is my plus one to the event. One of my former tea and tattle guests actually, Sarah Collins, has been nominated with her book The Confessions of Franny Langton to win the Costa Book of the Year. So I'll definitely be rooting for her tonight and I'll be really excited to see who wins. And then my final jump for joy this month has been really making the effort to carve out more time for my own personal creative writing. I've actually started keeping a daily journal, which I admit I don't always manage to write in, but I have managed to write in it most days of the week, which I'm proud of so far. And I've also started putting some serious time into sorting out some of my many book ideas that I have and really prioritising which one I want to start first and making sure that I spend some time each week doing some real writing as I call it. It can be really hard to keep time free from running the podcast and from everything else that I do but I'm determined to get going with my writing properly this year and so far that's been really rewarding and I'm pleased that I've been able to be firm with myself and really prioritize that writing time this month that's definitely made me happy and it's something I want to continue throughout the rest of the year but that's it for this tea read special you'll find links to everything I've mentioned in the show notes for this episode which you can find at teaandtattlepodcast.com forward slash home forward slash tea reads three zero tea reads 30 because this is the 30th tea reads episode (laughs) do let me know of any cultural recommendations you may have as well as what's been making you jump for joy this month i'd love to know you can find me on instagram at tea and tattle podcast tea and tattle will be back next week with a regular full-length interview but until then keep well read more and stay in touch (music) Thank you.